podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. State of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am delighted to be joined by Lawrence Conley and Patrick McGill. Welcome to the show once again, guys. Yes, for anyone out there who's wondering where we deck is, he is moving to a Thursday, so you can catch up with Declan. I know he's got a massive fan base out there, Patrick, uh, but I'm pretty sure you'll be fine uh, running without your wee buddy, um, if we can call him your wee buddy, that is. Right, let's talk about the game last night. Patrick, what was your thoughts? Phenomenal, absolutely breathtaking in the first half. Um, second half, we just controlled the game. Uh, but you know what a start for Maeda. You know, four minutes in, I don't think anyone. I think only Gary Mackay Stephen has had a quicker goal on his debut. Uh, Partick this a few years ago. But I mean, it was it was a fantastic performance, and I think the three weeks off have done is the world a good because you can see the energy that we've got. The pressing was absolutely spot on. Just a great performance. If we play like that for the rest of the season, I think we'll be going to good places. This this is a big thing. Uh, we were talking about it before we came on, Lawrence and I, around the fact that we all appreciate when Ange came in in the summer, uh, the job he had on his hands was massive. I mean, you know, particularly after the the uh, carnage that was last season. But he didn't have enough time, really, to craft that team before the first competitive game. So throughout the season, I think what's happened is there has probably been occasions in every game where he's had to play a player that maybe doesn't fit his system. But what we've started seeing is if you buy in a player like Hatati, for example, and we'll speak about him in a wee bit more detail throughout the show, and it, he, you know he's been identified by Ange because Ange knows he fits the system, what a difference it makes, Lawrence. Yeah, huge. I mean, phenomenal de- debut from him. Uh, for such a versatile player, he certainly played uh, midfield really well, didn't he? It was, uh, his movement is unbelievable. I mean, it must have been murder for Hibs to try and mark him. Yeah. But, listen, Hibs came out and they had a goal, you know. I- I'm glad that we- we're getting him after Maloney's only had three games in charge. You know, I think in our five or six games under him, that they'll be a really dangerous opponent, you know. 
could say if Nisbet had his shooting boots on, they would have been a bit of a closer game. But yeah, Maeda and Hitati, everything you could want in debuts from them, isn't it? It's... Well, like everybody, Lawrence, I was um, I was talking uh, to as many people as I possibly could to try and build up an idea of the types of players we were getting when we signed all three uh, from the Japanese league. And of the three, it was actually Hitati that seemed to be the low-risk one. Um, you know, we, we knew about uh, Gucci to a degree because he had spent some time in British football. We knew that the you know the deal to Leeds United didn't work out. We know all about Maeda, uh, Maeda because apparently some people were surprised he wasn't the top of the shopping list when Ange Postacoglu came into Celtic. Perhaps he was, but the deal couldn't be done at that time. But Hitati was the one who, and again, when you look at the transfer fee, uh, once it's converted, he's going to cost us £1.38 million. Less than £1.5 million. I mean, value for money... I'm deliberately not going to get too um, excited after one performance, right? Because, I mean, last season, you know, the players came in and they looked really good and they're no longer part of the plans. But in terms of the value for money, when you're looking at that, Patrick, um, that's a market that I don't think, if if the players come over on the, you know, the same kind of level as Kyogo and Maeda and Hatate, I don't think that market will be as cheap moving forward, will it? No, I think we have certainly exploited it up until now. Uh, with the four players we've signed, but I don't know how long that can continue, especially if it's if it's us going in for the players, um, you know. But Anne just mentioned other markets, like I think it's Iran. Um, I don't think we've signed anyone from Australia yet, the Australian leagues yet. So there's there's other markets for us to look at. But you know, if you're if you're going player for player, I think Hibs were wanting more than three million for Martin Boyle, and we're getting a player like Hatati for one point three eight. I think you said so. It's an absolute bargain, and with guys like Anne Jin. Uh, I know we've now got that French analyst in behind the scenes as well. If we can look to to these other markets and um, you know find a player of similar quality but for less money, it's a, it's a no brainer, really. You know the thing as well, Patrick. We've heard Ange talking about the fact that he does have this system in the early days, and I think Axon fell into this trap as well. It was being called Ange Ball. Not quite sure what that was. Um, we've seen certain performances clicking into to place and we were destroying sides a couple of times at uh, Celtic Park. But there was flashes of this. There was a 45 minutes at Easter Road. There was a half a performance against Betis away from home. And you were looking at it thinking, I can start to see what I'm just trying to do here. But going back to my original point, he was doing it with players he had not identified as being suitable for his system. And I think the more players that he brings in, the, the more we're beginning to see this style that Ange has been talking about. Was that as close to what we have seen last night um, in terms of the finished product? Is that as close as we've seen it? I think so. I think so. Um, You mentioned Hibs in the first half. That first half at Easter Road was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think last night probably tops it. I don't know what it is with first half against Hibs this season. We seem to play really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought second half at Easter Road was actually a bit poor. You know, we controlled the game, but there was times where we looked like conceding, I thought. Um, whereas last night, I thought we looked pretty comfortable all the way through. Actually, when Kevin Nisbet manages to not score in the fourth minute last night, or the second minute, that was the only chance Hibs had, uh, I thought. But to answer your question, I think totally, I think that's probably the best all-round performance you've had. Hard to compare when you've won 
two games, six nothing at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But, you know, the first half was absolutely breathtaking. I mean, the energy, the, the way the crowd was feeding off it in the 10 minutes before the second goal, it was absolutely phenomenal. And what about what about the players feeding off the fans, Patrick? Was that palpable last night as well? I thought so. I mean, you know, they sort of... It was about getting back into the ground after a month and, you know, it was the first home game, I think, since Motherwell five weeks ago. Uh, two guys making their debut. One of them scored within six minutes or something. You know, it was just a lot of excitement about the place, a, a great buzz about the place. And I think you can feel a real connection. And, you know, I think Anne spoke about that when he first came in. You know, with fans going back into the grounds for the first time in 18 months, uh, Celtic hitting a bit of form again with those six nothings. You know the players were feeding off the fans and vice versa, um, and you can feel that again. And I think that'll be crucial going forward because there's definitely something missing when there's no fans there. So going forward, if there's sixty thousand every single week, I think it can only benefit us. Yeah, you're right. Now we're not going to labour this fact, Lawrence. But last season, you not only did we have um, a lack of fans in the stadium, no fans in the stadium, there was no real challenge. There was no real pressure. You know, the, we were, you know, the title was won by a team who were never really put under any pressure. Um, and I think that you know the very fact that we've we've got the three points on the board going into tonight's fixtures, there is a bit of pressure. There is now a bit of pressure on the league leaders, um, and you know that's all we can possibly do. Um, do you think though that that is it's it's not a conspiracy as such, but that is something that might affect Rangers this season? The fact that we are breathing down their neck. Yeah, definitely. Uh, listen, Aberdeen will find, feel hard done by. I think it was a a late. Uh, Ibrooks penalty that and they didn't win there. Uh, so they maybe feel the old Rangers uh, it is, see how they handle it, see how they handle it in front of fans, away from home. But listen it, it, I think there's pressure on Rangers now, but there's also pressure for places in our team. Previously you're maybe thinking your midfields McGregor and two others. Mm. Now it's McGregor Rio and there's one place up for grabs. The forward line you could simply say you now it's Kyogo Maeda in one place up for grabs. Yeah. So the pressure within the squad to do better and to get the kind of level of performances we delivered in the first 45 is is surely going to spur us on. Well, I think it's a, it's a great point because I don't think that um, Andy said that luxury um, of having the selection headaches, Patrick, that he might now have. I mean, it's good dilemmas for a, for a manager to have. Um, and this, as I say, going back to what I, the point I made originally, this is without Gucci, who is potentially as good as, if not better, than what we've seen last night. So where are we with the midfield and you're... In your eyes, Patrick, I know that David Turnbull's injured and I'm not about to write him off. Absolutely not. I've seen um, some criticism coming his way this season. Um, I've, I've had some people commenting on the, the section, let me know what you think if you are watching live, um, saying that maybe it doesn't fit Andy's system per se. Uh, where, where are we in terms of the midfield then? What's your first pick midfield? And I know we're only basing it on one performance by Hatate, but uh, in terms of first picks, is, is Turnbull now looking at that and he needs to fight to get his jersey back? 100%. I mean, I'm a massive fan of David Turnbull, but he's not getting in the team if that's the way that Rio Hatate's going to play every single week. And you know what Roderick can do and you can't drop McGregor, so I think, that's, I think that's a midfield three. And, you know, when it comes to midfield options... Games like last night, you think to yourself, oh, we've actually got loads of options here. This is brilliant. You know, full of quality players. If Turnbull needs to come in, brilliant. He's a good player. If Gucci or McCarthy or Beaton need to come in, brilliant. Decent players. 
then all of a sudden you get in early February. Rogic's away in international duty. There's a question mark over all four Japanese players. Uh, Turnbull probably won't be fit in time for the game in February the 2nd, so all of a sudden you've got no options. Um, but, you know, there might be a postponement. Not all the Japanese players might go. There's just you, you just can't tell. But if everyone's fit and available, I think last night's midfield three, I think you've got to stick with that. It worked so, so well as part of Andy's system, Lawrence. Where are you on this one then? Because, I mean, I'm like Patrick, I'm a massive fan of David Turnbull. Um, in terms of his mobility, he's certainly a completely different player from what we've seen last night with Hatati, who seems to fit that high-intensity, high-press that Ange plays. You know, there was reported interest in Turnbull from the, the Premiership in the summer. And I think we could see, yeah, you know, if the interest is there again this summer, I wouldn't be adverse to losing him. I don't think he fits the system as well. When you look, I know it's only one game from Rio, but, you know, you've got Rio McGregor. I'd, I'd say Roger probably is your starter. Uh, I think Turnbull's, yeah, he's down the pecking order. Not entirely sure he fits the system. I'm sure Ange will have, you know, other, other players he's got his eye on to bring in. So it could be that he's someone that would sell to to raise some capital yeah you know the Japanese boys aren't costing us a lot of money if you're if Turnbull's to go to the Premiership what you're talking eight, 8 or 10 million you know that's how many Hitatis is that 6 that's incredible when you start talking like that um, I would be loath to lose him I'm going to be honest with you I think some of the conversations I have on a Monday with Tony are that you can never have too many good players. You can never have... And now it's difficult to keep them all happy. And I know that um, there was a game recently whereby it was one of the PP... It was a Ross County game. We had to, if you weren't lucky enough to be at the game, uh, PPV it for the, the, the stream, the match day coverage. And it was Stephen Craig and it was on who um, isn't short in telling you that he's one of his pals. He's one of Turnbull's pals and he talks to him regularly from his days at Motherwell. And he was talking about a player who was frustrated. The way he shaped it, it was a player who was frustrated that he wasn't a first tick, uh, pick for Scotland. And Cragen was suggesting that he had to move down south to become a first pick for Scotland. And he cited John McGinn as an example. I'm not comparing the two players. I'm just talking about the situation where if you go down south, it's almost as if your stock rises in terms of international selection. What what do you think, though, Patrick? Is it a case? I, I would do everything in my power to keep my best players. I wouldn't be looking to, to cash in on David Turnbull. No, um, I wouldn't look to move him on. But, you know, if an offer comes in, I think you've got to consider it. You know, if it's anything above 10 million, you're probably maybe, maybe having to go to him and say, do you want this? Anything below 10, I don't think I'd accept. Because as good as that midfield three was last night, I personally think Turnbull's the first guy off the bench he turned to if one of them's injured. Yeah, I think he's probably fourth choice for three positions. Uh, if either of Roger or Hattati drops out, I'd be putting Turnbull in there personally. Um, I think now will be the time we see whether he fits Angie's system because, as you said, he's been play paying, playing players that he might not have wanted to and Turnbull started every single game up until he got injured. Yeah. So now with options, we'll see how much he actually values Turnbull because if he's if he's still playing him when he's got options with uh, Atati and Adeguchi, it shows you that he, he, he fancies him as a player. Um, mm -hmm. About getting into the Scotland squad, I'm not sure if he's going to displace any of the midfield three in the Scotland squad because... Billy Gilmore's at Chelsea, you've got Callum McGregor who is definitely better than David Turnbull and so you're looking at John McGinn and saying you need to outperform John McGinn so I'm not sure how much a move to England would help David Turnbull in, the, in regards to Scotland 
No, I think that's a, a far better analysis than uh, the individual that I, I referenced uh, who was commentating <laughs> on the Ross County game. Um, let's get some of the comments up then, Urban uh, Kulshi. Welcome back. Uh, you're a, a regular commenter on the bulletins and it's great to see you. you're watching on YouTube. And for anybody out there who is... Uh, watching the stream. Get subscribing on YouTube. We've got some massive content coming your way, Celtic-related, um, and quite a bit of music and culture as well. Sessions every Saturday night. Uh, music sessions, that is. The Urban Cool Shake. Dogs are settled. I'm on the couch. Wife making lunch. It can only be axe on time. Well, it was almost late because I was making the tea before we started. I'm a good tea maker, apparently, Lauren, so I was making the tea, uh, and I think we're almost about 30 seconds late. So apologies for anybody who sets the clock by us. Uh, Monty, Afternoon, everyone, and afternoon to you. Uh, Martin comes in as well. We have Irishman in Porto. Greetings from a chilly Portugal. Um, you never know where people are tuning in from, so it's great to hear that you're watching in Portugal. And Dominic, I think you're going to get a kind of buzz and a vibe from the, the, the podcast today that we're still buzzing from last night as well, Lawrence. And what it does, I mean, we spoke briefly about it beforehand, um, is you get the buy-in to what's happening on the park. Um, and Ange, in one foul swoop, takes loads of heat off of the board because, you know, we were looking at the board uh, previous uh, to the, the January transfer window. Um, he takes a lot of heat off the board, but also you've got to give Michael Nicholson some praise for getting these guys in the door. I mean, uh, they have worked swiftly, and I know that people are, are looking at the, the press conference where Ange was asked about bringing more, more bodies in. I think if the situation arises where we need to bring more bodies in, I feel a wee bit more, more confident that we're going to do it this time round. We've had two, I suppose, Ange transfer windows. And the first one was a bit fractious, shall we say. You know, mm. Ange was saying we need to get deals done quick enough. Yeah. So, you know, Michael certainly got these ones done quick enough, but perhaps these were the, the ones that were there to get done Last transfer window, I don't know, but no, credit to Stuart, they've come in the day before the transfer window opens. So it looks as if that relationship's progressing. We've spent money in January. You know, it, it, it's not a Robbie Keane's joining on the last day or whoever's available for loan on the last day. Mm. So we've put ourselves in a good place. We've now got a fairly decent squad. And it's, I guess we're now avoiding the desperation signings, aren't we? You know, we, we can now pick exactly. the better players. And get better value. That. As well, Lawrence, yep. desperation signings, like you say, you need a striker in, it's the last couple of days, you throw three and a half million pounds at someone who long term turns out to be a flop. How many of them, we could list them, how many of them have we had? Um, whereas if you've got all your ducks in a row, like we did with the three Japanese signings, you're getting value for money. I mean, we're talking two million euros, two million euros and um, something like uh, one million euros for, for those, th five million euros for three players. That is incredible when you look at the, the other four who we will be talking about at some stage during the show who hopefully will offload, who are, are on big wages and obviously it costs a lot of money to bring it in. Now, Stephen Creamer, absolutely. I wonder what the panel will choose to criticise staff about today. Well, I can't criticise him after last night's performance. He's on he's on the, uh, the schedule here because we need to praise him for last night's performance, Stephen. We would never criticise him after last night. And I think it's a good uh, link into that, that conversation. Before the game, Patrick, Laura and I were talking about, you know, the best defence that we have available at this moment in time. Julien's coming back. He was not on the bench last night, but he's coming back, back in. Welsh was a wanted man, might still be a wanted man in January. Udinese apparently were interested in Welsh. 
And we were asking, what is your first choice defence? So at centre-half last night, undoubtedly, it's Car- Cameron Carter-Vickers and Starfelt. He's coming for a lot of criticism, has Starfelt. That was one of his most assured performances last night, don't you think? 100%. Um, you know, I think the only reason people sort of, you know, compare him to Welsh or Julian is because Cameron Carter-Vickers has been phenomenal. He's been almost flawless in the past six months. And so Starfelt's obviously the weak link, whereas most games, he, he doesn't have an issue. There's no problem. He was winning duels, winning headers. Uh, his passing was fine. Um, you know, he doesn't look like the most natural passer, but it was absolutely spot on last night. Mm-hmm. An absolutely flawless performance, I thought. And, you know, when Julian comes back, if Welsh wants to get in the team, they're going to have to fight for a place because... This seems to be the partnership at the moment. It seems to be working at the moment. I know Starfield had a wee three-game shaky spell um, just before the winter break, but he seems to be back on form. And you know, it's just a it's just a matter of winning winning games, picking up three points from now on. And and the SPFL seems to be able to do that. No bother. Yeah, and um, you know, when you're looking at the aerial duels that he was winning, a lot of that goes under the radar until you speak to someone like Alan Morrison who gives you the stats and you look at it and think, well, we remember um, the flaws. You you do tend to remember the flaws in a performance, don't you? Um, But, you know, I think that uh, even when he's going through the sticky patch, there's a lot of defensive qualities there. Um, So going back to Stephen's point, we will praise Starfield. He is a first pick at this moment in time. Do you think long-term Lawrence is going to prove any doubters wrong? To be honest, I've never been a critical of him. And I know you're saying he had a three-game sticky patch, but we changes at left-back on that sticky patch and he's your left-hand side centre-half, so it's going to affect his performance. Mm. Uh, you know, we've got the best defence in Scotland and he's an integral part of it. Uh, Julian, I think, you know, 13 months out, I still think we should try and get a loan deal for him. He's 18 months left in his contract. Mm. How many, many minutes is he going to get with us between now and the end of the season? You know, we need to judge whether he's worth another contract. If he's not, you then need to try and sell him in the summer. So what are you going to judge him on between now and May? And I think the only way for him to get kind of the required number of minutes is is going out on, on loan. He's another guy that's on big wages as well. You know, compared to like Starfield and Cameron Carter-Vickers, I think he's probably on their wages combined. So, yeah, for, for me, Starfield and, and Cameron Carter-Vickers is definitely... Mm. The, the partnership, you know, it, it's, it's weird. I think in Scotland that the Celtic defence, especially centre halves, seem to get a lot more criticism than is aimed at other teams' centre halves. Even if we've got the best defence in Scotland, mm-hmm. apparently those are the dodgy centre halves. And you're going, well, that doesn't really stack up with having the best perception defense. over facts, Lawrence. It's perception over, you know, and, and creating a narrative uh, without the facts to back it up. That's all it is. And you're absolutely right. But it's an interesting point you raised about Julian. Um, we were talking before we came on, Patrick, about some of the, the guys who may be considered fringe players going out on loan. But they were fringe players nonetheless. They were part of the first team squad. They were contributing more than the likes of Ball and Golly and Ayeti and Barkas, etc. And Sorrow as well. So Shaw's away out. Henderson's away. Montgomery apparently is going to be going. Um, Urugidi might be going out on loan. Do you agree with Lawrence that perhaps Julien would benefit from a loan? I'm more of the view, I'm sitting here saying keep all the players. I'm more of the view that, you know, we keep them in-house because of the first half of the season. What that's proved is we're one injury away from a crisis at times. And at that point, yeah, we might be feeling that we're throwing them in. But uh, I'd much rather have them in-house than elsewhere, you know, building up game time and fitness. 
I think it's an incredibly complicated decision, uh, really, because, you know, as a 29-year-old, I think he's 29, French centre-half, he probably sees himself as quite an established centre-half, you know. Mm. He's playing every single, game, every single game until that knee injury against Dundee United. What what team do you send him to? What team is he happy going to for a six-month loan? Um, what team would take him when he's been out for 13 months? It's It's incredibly complicated. Um, I think Lawrence makes a good point. You know, he does only have eighteen months left, so we either need to sell him in the summer or give him a new contract. So we need to see minutes from him to see what mm. type of player he is. I know you can see in training, but I think personally, I think a match day is where you see what a player's made of. So I mean, it's either a loan or he, he makes his way into the team, and we see what type of player we've got. Um, even on the side of caution, I'd keep him just because. If we put him out on loan, we've only got three centre-halves and I think that's just a recipe for disaster, knowing Celtic's luck. So, I'd keep him. Um, I know Alan Morrison seems to, you know, his page seems to think that he's level with Starfelt and Welsh. He, he could be Car- uh, Carter Vickers' partner next season. Right. So, we'll see, we'll see. Absolutely, and I think that you're right. Um, one less defender is one step closer to playing beat on at centre-half. And, and, you know... That's twofold because you lose his effectiveness. I mean, let's be honest, he's been effective in it as a midfielder this season and he's not a great centre-half. So, that, that in my, you know, when you're looking at the actual squad depth is the best example I can think of is that, you know, we don't want to be playing players out of position. We're, we've taken a step forward here and hopefully we can take another one by the end of the, the transfer window because I'm not convinced we're not going to dip back into it. But we'll come round to that. Now, there's lots of praise coming in for Atate. No wonder the way he played last night. I was a wee bit surprised, I'm going to say, and that's down to the fact that I was reading a lot from the Japanese football experts about him being the the kind of risk that was worth taking. You know, if it doesn't work out, it's inexpensive. And he, and he basically controlled, he orchestrated the game. You know, a range of passing. He had the vision. I, I, I commented last night, he had a, a similar style in terms of body shape and movement to Kyogo as well. I, I loved the way he glided past players as if they weren't there. He turned on a sixpence, to use an old term that Lawrence will be familiar with, uh, leaving players still facing in the other direction. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely tremendous as a debut. Um, but there's a lot of you know comments coming in in relation to Starfield's performance again. Stephen McGonagall, Starfield had a great game last night. And in actual fact, David Brown would have named him as his man of the match. There was a couple of candidates. I thought Hatati, you probably give him it because it's his first game as well. Um, and you're, you're buzzing about that. Uh, and Paddy Lavery comes in. Hatati, he's my Japanese boy. Now, there was another Japanese boy making his debut last night, though, and that was uh, Daizen Maeda. Um, the pace that boy's got is going to cause some amount of problems. And again, I think of the ball going back, and, you know, Joe Hart sometimes is quite, you know, slow and he, he looks about. Imagine a goalkeeper doing that. Um, an opposition goalkeeper launch. Maeda's going to be right down his neck. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 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 the boy's rapid, isn't he? Quicker than a guy at his peak, I don't know, but he's he's up there that kind of speed, isn't he? He, he is rapid. I mean, a guy was fast in his day, Lawrence, but we both know he's, he's lost a wee bit of that pace, isn't he? Just a wee bit of it, I believe it. You uh, outstripped him for pace in one game. It was, it was a defensive overlapping move, you know, like the traditional right-back overlap. And uh, I looked behind him, he was about 10 yards behind me. Ah, he's, he's lost a bit of pace. But listen, he tends go well. Well, you know, the keepers expect him to aim for the big part of the goal. He's just cool, calm, collected, and he's went for the small part. Despite that, well, isn't he? Uh, him and Kyogo. Oof, can you, you know, the amount of pressing that they would do between them, you, you can 
they you will rack those defences. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's what it's based on, it. defending from the front, putting the pressure on, attacking, getting the, the ball back one quickly. I mean, that's where the first goal came from, wasn't it? It was the pressure putting the ball that we ended up making a mistake. We end up winning it back. Uh, and Tom finds uh, Dyson. Another area. assist, yep. yeah. Cool as you like. See, the thing, though, you, you raised the point there about Kyogo and Mieda playing together. Um, and, you know, I think as a prospect, Patrick, of Kyogo playing off the last man, you know, baffling assistant linesman with offside decisions, Maeda running down the throat of goalkeepers, taking them by surprise. I mean, in terms of the strongest team, everybody firing on all cylinders, it's a prospect that it's, it's an exciting prospect for Celtic supporters, but it's one that we've not enjoyed this season. We've not seen, you know, Jota hitting top form at the same time as uh, on the right-hand side for it because there's been an injury, there's been illness, etc. But there's going to come a point, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future, when that clicks into place. Uh, however, if it does, how do we deal with the one up top? We're playing three up, three forwards, of course. Um, I wasn't a massive fan, Patrick, of Kyogo playing on the left-hand side, albeit Lawrence, you know, raises the point that he's played far more games in that position than through the centre in his career. Um, is Maeda the, 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 the focal point of that front three? Do you then maybe shift Hugo away from the centre? Does Jota go in the right? There's now options. Where do you think the best options are, though, up top? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult to drop Kyogo. I could not drop Kyogo. I think you need to start him through the middle. Um, I think he's seen at Ibrox the game when he was on the left-hand side. You know, I think it was a very defensive performance from uh, them. I just don't think he's suited to the left-hand side. You know, I think it was St Johnson at home. Yakimakis scored. Um, he was on the left-hand side as well. I don't think it's for him. Um, I think and I know he prefers to play as a striker. I'd prefer mm. him at striker. I, I thought Maeda was a, a winger uh, up until last night. After last night, I'm starting to think he's a striker. But, you know, if he can play in the wing, Kyogo can play in the wing, Jota can play either side. I think that's your front three. It's just a matter of where they play, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Yeah. And you're saying about not seeing, not seeing them together on top form. You know, with Kyogo's injury... And then with the Japan stuff, it could be the end of February until we see it. But if it's the end of February to the end of May, you've got a lot of tough fixtures in that period. Bodo Glimt, you know, cup semi-finals, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. Big deciding games in the league. What a time to get those three up front together on form. I mean, it'd be a good time to get it. A, a really crucial time in the season, I think. Well, 
You know what Patrick's saying there, Lawrence? We've got a situation now where Kyogo can play through the centre or on the left. Jota can play left and right. Abada can play left, right and centre. Maeda can apparently play on the wing or through the middle. We've got a situation now where you're almost spoilt for choice. Is it a case of just constantly rotating them? Well, we know Ange likes to change his front three, so I think they're all going to get a chance and playing together and we'll see, I suppose, what works best. But I think, for me, probably on the team sheet just now, if they were all fit, it'd probably be Jota, Maeda and Kyogo. That's the three you would, would pick. And they're kind of, kind of change during the games. I, I don't know Patrick's touched uh, Ibrox. He didn't look that mm. good on the left. But mm-hmm. I don't think Ange criticises them for his contribution on the left. I think the problem was the guy we had playing centre-forwards, Hart wasn't in it. So, you know, it was a lot better to have Kyogo playing as the centre-forward than yeah. the, guy we, the guy we started with. So Was it Kyogo that laid Edward on? Yeah, the, the, the guilt chance he met it was, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's know, a different game if that goes in. Yeah, yeah. he's not scored that bit <laughs> in the past now. But so I think it's what twenty games at centre four before signing for us. So the fact that having Mayuda can interchange, it's going to be a, a nightmare for defences. The, the speed of movement, the thought yeah. the boys have got, the technique. We've got James Forrest. We've got Abada uh, as well pushing for, for places. I think, you know, Yakimakis, he's, he's got to be looking going, how do I get a chance here? You know, and it is, I think, you know, Ange changing the front three because they're so hard, hard working in his system. Is, is where he's got to look to, to do something in the 20 minutes when he comes on to have any chance again in that team. Where are we with Yakimakis then? Because we're talking about, you know, having the right fit of player for Ange Postacoglu's uh, team and the way that he, he, he plays. Yakimakis, to my mind, isn't an obvious choice as an Ange player. I'm not saying he wasn't an Ange I'm not saying that at all. If you get the top goal scorer coming from the Dutch top division for two and a half million quid, you take him. You know, that's that that's an acquisition and it's worth taking that. If there is a risk, I think it's a low risk. But he certainly doesn't, in terms of style, Patrick, look like that type of player, does he? No, not at all. Um, he doesn't strike me as a quick player. Um very physical, which is the opposite of what the Japanese uh, four have looked like so far. Um, I think he's a plan B, if I'm being honest. Mm. And I know Ange hasn't really had a plan B so far. I know he trusts his system and he wants to play the full 90 minutes using his system because in the long run it will pay off. But at the same time, you've seen St Mirren away, Livingston at home. Our problem when we've dropped points is uh, scoring goals, not conceding them. And Every time we drop points, we've always had loads of crosses and it's came to nothing. And I think, yeah. you know, Giacomakis or Yakamakis, I've always been impressed the way he can win a foul. Um, I think it was Ferenc Varos home and away and then last night as well. Last five, ten minutes, he's, he's winning three or four fouls. It's absolutely mm-hmm. incredible for such a big guy. Um, I think he's actually yet to score a header for Celtic, but I think that's probably why we brought him in. I know, you know, he was, I think he scored 11 goals from the penalty spot for. Um, is it Venlo he played for last season? Yeah. And then he took that penalty against Livingston and it was just it's absolutely pathetic, I thought. Um, so it's a question mark. It's another question mark. But again, as you say, 21 goals or something in Eredivisie for two and a half million. You, you obviously sign a player like that if you can. But then when you see what you've got, it's it, it's it's strange. It's, it's, a, it's an odd one. Yeah, I, I think it was Anthony Joseph Um who has a Celtic state of mind, and he tweeted out that the club were looking for something in the region of 12 million euros had they stayed up. So 
you know, it's a it's a kind of low risk if you bring that player in. Uh, I think it's been unfortunate with regards to his fitness and injuries, etc., that we haven't seen him in full flow yet. But there are elements of his game, Pat. I agree with you that, you know, he holds the ball up well. He holds the ball up re- very, very well. Um, but again, that kind of slows the game down sometimes, doesn't it? And that doesn't really fit in. But as a plan B, we certainly don't have a plan B. And sometimes when you're struggling to break teams down and you just want to, you know, with the amount of crosses coming in the box, you just want to have that presence in there. So I think he is a decent enough squad player. He's nowhere near being a first pick, but he is a decent option. Now, Irishman in Porto, thanks for that. I think uh, Declan does look slightly younger than myself, but uh, Paddy's telling me to take a day off. I will do. We will get someone back in on a Tuesday. Trust me, we will have um, an unveiling. Hopefully by the end of January, we'll be able to unveil a new signing. And Barry McCluskey, thanks for getting involved as always. Is uh, actually not high profile enough for Declan. Now, we'll potentially Barry he's promised me that he'll be in <laughs> he'll promise me that he'll be in on Thursday but uh, we'll see if he gets a better offer before then let's have a wee chat then about uh, there was a good point coming up here uh, here we go Stephen came in talking about uh, Starfelt again some Celtic fans have made their mind up about Starfelt and won't praise him regardless I don't think that's particularly focused on Celtic fans I think football fans in general make opinions up in their mind and perceptions of particular players so I'm going to give you an example of one of mine Tony Ralston. Um, but I like him so much that I'd have played him last night, right? And then you watch the game and you look at the impact and the performance of Juranovic and you put your hands up and say, well, what do I know? Because Angelo's best. Because Juranovic played particularly well. Maybe better suited to Angie's system. Scores a goal. You trust them to take a penalty and score it. Um, so absolutely there are perceptions, Lawrence, of particular players and you get stuck in the mindset of he's no good or the other side, you can't see his, you know, the failures of a particular player. But let's talk about Juranovic. Is that a signal last night that he is undoubtedly the first choice right back now and we've got a very able deputy in Tony Ralston? I think when we bought him, he was, he was bought his first choice right back, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ralston surpassed everybody's expectations. And I, I don't think anyone's going to worry if Tony steps into the breach. But I, I think that's the taking order just now. One and two. Juranovic is a wee bit more versatile. You know, he can play the other side. He's even played right wing. I think it's maybe all three in one game as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think the fullbacks get asked to do a lot of work. So, outside of the front three getting changed, you can see the fullbacks getting changed during the game. Yeah, you know, when they're playing inverted, they do have to do a lot of work. So, Tony's got, still going to get game time, I think, uh, throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not worried, you know, I think before the season kicked off, you know, those big worry. We're going to kick off a campaign and Tony Ralston's the only right back at the club. It's, you know, those days are far in the past. I think he's convinced everybody, you know, he's definitely good enough for the squad, if not a first-team starting position. So you've got to look at what part has Ange played in that situation then, Patrick, right? So we're going into this new season. What were our right-back options? OK, we had Leo Connor. Uh, a young hopeful from Manchester United who had had a, a loan deal and he'd come back into the fray. Yeah, he's got an international cap. Uh, we had Tony Ralston, who at that point, everybody had written off. Everybody had written Tony Ralston off. And you had Stephen Welsh, who could play right back. He played there for Morton when he was on loan uh, a couple of seasons ago. And, of course, you had Uregidi, um, big raw talent from Sheffield Wednesday, who can play right back. So we didn't really have much options. So what he's done is he's taken one of them... The, a rough diamond and polished them in, in Tony Ralston and he's brought in an international quality player we're now sitting in January uh, and maybe not like some other positions where we've got three or four options but he's managed to with one signing 
he's managed to give us an option whereby if Zhananovic is suspended um, or he's injured, you've got absolutely no issue with bringing in Tony Ralston. And Ralston has played Angie's system, so although it might not be a natural uh, system for him, he knows how to play it and he can perform well in it as well. 100%. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing turnaround because um, he thought at the beginning of the season, you know, right back, that's the first player he signed because mm. we, we brought in John Joe Kenny specifically not to play Ralston last January. Yeah. And you think to yourself, if we done our business properly last season, get rid of the the guy in the dugout and get a proper manager in, maybe he could have helped Ralston along a bit and we wouldn't have had to suffer through John Joe Kenny for four or five months. Um, but, you know... I was reading out the team in the car on the way to the game last night and my dad said to me, you know, what's up with Ralston? And I said, Jovanovic is a better player. And it is unfair, it's it's unlucky for Ralston, but Jovanovic, I think, is just, he's got more potential, he's just got that extra level, his passing's a bit better, he's he's better in the, the final third, in my opinion. He can take a penalty, crucial last night. And it's just a bit unfair in Ralston, you know, he's, he's an excellent backup, definitely uh, sorted for cover for right back, uh, and he'll definitely get game time. You know the, the amount of games that we play, but I just think Jovanovic is that bit better. Mm. It, will, it will be interesting uh, to see how that progresses throughout the season. But what we do have in backup, if that's the case, and it looks like it's the case that Ralston's now the backup, is we have an international player at backup. Patrick, I mean, he, he played so well. He got his international debut uh, for Scotland. He scored goals. He's won over the hearts and opinions of many Celtic fans. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Let's have a wee chat about the opposition then, because uh, during the week there, we were up at Celtic Park doing a bit of filming. That film will be released at some point today in relation to the Willie Mealy Nuri CSC who are uh, fundraising to erect a statue of Willie Mealy in Nuri and we're doing a big um, event up at uh, the Kerrydale suite. So I was talking to some Celtic fans outside the ground and one of them said they had the vibe that, you know, Hibs playing such a way that we can actually dismantle them. Um, and there was uh, this whole thing that we can maybe take four or five off them. At half time, by the way, I said exactly the same last night. Um, but I think the game was managed pretty well after that, Lawrence. And, you know, Sean Maloney, he's, he's been highly rated uh, for some time now. He's obviously left the Celtic kind of youth level in terms of the coaching, got a tremendous job with the number one ranked team in the world, learned, I'm sure, loads uh, during international uh, football. And now he's taken the step into the unknown as an international man- uh, sorry, a club manager in his own right. Um, it's early days for him but he seemed to manage that pretty well after an early onslaught yesterday. Yeah, I mean, like I said, previously, I'm, I'm happy we've caught him after he's, you know, so early in Maloney's managerial career because mm. they showed in spells the pass and the ball retention. I, th- I think the you know, team in Scotland that we played that's come out with higher possession stats than us. Yeah, I saw so that, yep. He's got them playing a nice style of football and if this bit shooting boots are on for... <laughs> Couldn't even need shooting bits for that. Listen, I think if he just put builders bits on it, it would went in. I don't know how he misses his chance. So another night, you know, Maloney's thinking if he takes his chances, it he could have got something out of the game. Mm. So real impressed with you know the progress they've made under Maloney so far. I know it's two two wins, one defeat, but they'll take uh, points off other teams. I think probably go as far as they're maybe the best team I've played in Scotland. Mm. And of course, uh, it goes back to that discussion we've had on the podcast a few times, Patrick, where sometimes we've had players on the fringes that we've loaned all over the world at times, you know, we've loaned players to Norway and, and all sorts. And we spoke about 
trying to make an effort to get these guys into teams within the league. So there you've got a hip side there. Lawrence reckons are going to cause problems to anybody else in the league. They might come back and cause us problems later on once they get settled down. But we're strengthening them by Ewan Henderson going there. You know, we're giving them a player um, who you just never know could do some damage to Rangers at some point in this season. And I think that that's something that we need to look at going forward. You're putting players out to the same level that they're going to be coming back to. Um, and also you might be able to damage your opposition. 100%. And, you know, I was slightly disappointed to lose Ewan Henderson, but at the same time, whenever he's came on, he's played well, and then he's just not given him another chance. So for him, it makes sense. And the manager sees a lot more than we do of these guys, so it makes sense for him. And you've got to move these guys on. Um, I was unsure about Sean Maloney taking the Hibs job, uh, personally. You know, I was quite sceptical of these guys. Um it's partly down to the fact I don't rate Roberto Martinez as a manager. But, you know, you've seen, you know, Ian Cathro fail at Hearts. I think it would take time. Um, you know, I think I saw Alan Morrison's tweet earlier. It's the first time, it uh, may even be at home or domestically, since Hearts in 2016, 2nd of April, we won 3-1. That was the last time we uh, lost out in possession uh, at home domestically. So... Mm. He's obviously doing something right, and he outpassed us as well. I think Lawrence said, you know, they made 30 or 40 more passes than we did, which, coming away from the ground, you never thought. But, you know, they've obviously tried to build something special. And, unfortunately, we just had the superior players in the night because you seen with the first goal and the play to our chances we had in the first half. We, we pressed them, we got the ball, took our chances and won the game. And... It's a shame for Hibs, but I'm sure they'll do well this season and hopefully against some other teams get a few big results. No, definitely. Magnet 67 comes in uh, similarly. Ange is building something special, although fair play to Hibs for trying to play football and not sitting in. Um, you're right, we're just further on in the development of that build. I'm sure Sean Maloney and Hibs are building something as well. Celtic follower comes in on YouTube. Welcome to the show, sir. The speed and composure shown last night is on a level we haven't seen in a long time. And when I was watching that, just like everybody else, it was just incessant, Lawrence. It was just non-stop. And I think that it gets to the point where you've got players who are coming in who are playing at that kind of level and, and level of tempo. I mean, Maeda he knows Ange Postecoglou. Uh, they've, they've worked together in the past. He knows exactly what Ange is expecting. He comes in. What does that do for other players who are maybe not quite at that level? Do you think they can come up to that level? I mean, we've seen players in the past completely evolving um, as footballers. Uh, we've spoke about Turnbull. You know, there's no way that, that players can't develop. You know, is a player like Turnbull or is he just not mobile enough to play at that level of intensity? Listen, to get into the team, he's going to have to improve, isn't he? It's it's improving that you're, you're going to get moved on. Unless you can play the, the level that Rio showed you, you're not going to begin in the midfield. It's that simple. It's, you're not going to be starting games. If you're not starting, I think then it's down to squad management for us. And that's what I was saying about Turnbull earlier. It's, I think a lot of times he passes and he's a bit ponderous with his movement after it. Whereas Rio was just doing it instinctively. You know, he was passing, he was moving, he was by his marker before... The marker knew he was going by him. It's going to be, it's going to be really hard uh, for any midfielder to pick him up with his speed of thought and his movement. He, you know, he looks a really clever player. Mm. I think, you know, if I've got players that are more ponderous, they're not going to fit in the team or Angie's system as well. We've spoken about it, as you know, they're not going to fit any Ange ball as well. So we've said that you know, Turnbull perhaps doesn't look like an Ange player. So I think he, he maybe needs to learn to adapt. Like Tony Ralston didn't look like an Ange player. 
He's learned to adapt. Has Rogic so, adapted? Has Rogic adapted? I think Rogic has got a level of fitness that we've never seen before. Mm. Uh, and whether that, Ange seems to say, look, as long as he's happy, Rogic will give you that. Because if you remember yeah. pre-season, he didn't play much under Ange, but it's probably understandable because Ange had managed him before and he's probably the guy you knew most. But, that, you know, as the squad. Mm-hmm. But what would it uh, do for Roger playing with Rio and McGregor? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I think that's going to be phenomenal for him. Well, we're talking about players, Patrick, uh, adapting to the system. And I think Roger, to a degree, has done. I think uh, during his performances in midfield that uh, Nier Beaton has adapted as well to the system as well. So how, if that's the case, why, why do we look at Turnbull and think he can't adapt? I mean, yeah, he's maybe not the first pick as we sit here today, but he started every game that he's been fit to play under Ange Postecoglou. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 100%. Um, I think he, it's just, he looks a bit slower than the other midfield players, maybe. And I know that sounds strange when you're comparing it with Tom Rogic, because... Tom Rodrick, I don't think he's the quickest player either, but his feet's a lot quick his feet are a lot quicker. Um you know, I, I like Turnbull, but I think if if Hatati and Rodrick are playing the way that they're playing, it's hard to see him get back into the team. Um and I know, you know, every player will get minutes when we play 55, 60 games a season. Um but it, it's whether Turnbull's happy with that, you know. If if Mr. Craigan's right in what he's saying he's frustrated, then he might look for a move down in England. But at the same time, we won't be fit until the end of February. Um, if we've got players available and they're five and all cylinders, you might not get a lot of minutes in the final three months of the season. Then, you know, what sort of money can you actually get from uh, What sort of team would be interested in them? You're probably looking at a, a sort of Ryan Christie-type transfer mm. to the English Championship. And you can get lost in that league. But, I mean, I, I think he's a quality player. Uh, I think he, he can fit the system, you know, we, we played pretty well with him, Rogic and McGregor as a midfield three in the first half of the season struggle to break teams down a bit you know, Livingston, Dundee United and stuff at the, the start of the season but I think if he keeps working away I'm sure Angel will get make him a better player and at that stage it's whether he wants to stay or go 
Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Now, James comes in, James McCloskey. Hail from Jim the Tim, South Shields Town, and we are 61 years young, just gone on the 13th of January. Uh, happy birthday to you, Jim the Tim, for South Shields, and thanks for tuning in and getting involved in the chat. Um, now, last night, yeah, we've seen a couple of debuts. In fact, we've seen three debuts. Uh, Forrest and Jota came back, though, uh, and that didn't go unnoticed as well. So Forrest got some good time in his legs as well. Jota comes back on, sporting a hairband, Lawrence, and the comments were coming through about that as well. And again, it just bolsters the options up top. And what you're hoping for, particularly with Forrest, is that we can get a run of games out of Jamesy now, eh? So what, what I'm hoping for Jamesy now with the options is we're not asking him to play 60 games a season and then losing him for a third of those through injury because mm-hmm. we're, we're overplaying him. So I think this could be, it could kick Forrest's career up another level again. You know, like Rogers did with, he came in, he seemed to rejuvenate it. I think Forrest now having a bit of pressure over him, not having to get rushed back. And a lot of the times it was James that you were looking to create something, wasn't it? Now there's other players that's going to take the pressure off him. Uh-huh. He's not going to get hammered maybe three games a week. His body will get a, a chance to rest. What is he, 29 now? So he's, he's probably getting towards the end of his career. And, and this could maybe stretch the end of his career out a bit longer, taking the pressure off him and not asking him to play that amount of games. Well, he's 30. This is his 13th season. Um, played over 400 games and in the 400 games uh, he's been involved in around 200 goals scorer or assistant and I think it's a good point that's made there as well Patrick in terms of the amount of games you get some players I mean you talk about Callum McGregor but what you've got to take into account is McGregor's been playing those games within a period age 21 to 28 you know, James Forrest came into the team age 17. He's played a hell of a lot of games. And, you know, sometimes injuries uh, catch up with you. Do you think it's a good point Lawrence makes, though, that um, you pick and choose when you play him? He doesn't play two, three games a week? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think he gets in the team uh, three times out of three in seven days. Um, especially with Jota. You know, uh, Jota's obviously a left winger, but he can play in the right. Abada can play there. Um, Maeda can play there you know you've got Karamoko coming back he'll be wanting game time if he's going to stay at the club that is mm. so you know it's not it's not as if James is the only option anymore you know there was that period towards the end of Brendan Rodgers' time starting Neil Lennon's time he was the only right winger we had at the club really that we that we could uh, depend on as you say he's getting older you know how feasible is it to have a 31 year old a 32 year old at right wing you know what sort of pace is he going to have at that age I know he's fast just now, but you know that doesn't last forever. So you could you could move him into midfield. You know he could become an attacking midfield player. He could become a striker. You just don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think you know he's not everyone's biggest fan. I'm sure quite a few people would be happy if he moved on at the end of his contract. Uh, I think in the in the current climate, you know when we, we've we've been short this season, I think it's good to keep these guys around. Especially guys like Forrest that you can rely on. So, but interesting to see what happens. I don't think he'll be playing the fifty games a season like he mm. has been the past couple of years. But he'll, he'll certainly he'll chip in with the goals, and he's a player that you can depend on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think with all players, where the biggest asset a lot of the time has been the pace, and, and Forrest obviously had had the pace. The minute you lose that, that that can become a problem in your later career and you've seen that with the likes of Michael Owen or very own Mark but so once you lose that yard of pace um, they're not as effective but I think if we manage them properly I'm sure we will manage them properly I wouldn't expect him to leave I think he's one of the guys he's a one club man um, 
like a few others, he's, he's in line for a testimonial. He deserves a testimonial. And I hope he, he finishes his career at Celtic. Some people who won't be finishing their careers at Celtic, though, I would expect to be leaving during the January transfer window. And I've used the, the four examples. I don't know if you agree or disagree, Lawrence, but the four that I think we should be working around the clock to move on because they're not contributing. It's not as if it's going to weaken the squad, really. They're not contributing. As uh, Barkas, Ayeti, Sorrow, um, and who's the other one? Ball and Golly, you know. He's been out the team so long, I almost forgot about him. That's the four players I think we should move on. If they do, though, you've got to strengthen, haven't you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Griffiths has already been moved, which I think was the right decision. Uh, yeah, he's injured. It may be hard to move, harder to move him. I think you look at taking a loss in all of them, aren't you? Mm. Uh, but whatever you get back in for them, if you get loan fees or anything, you don't get them off the wage bill if you can get them moved out permanently it, it would allow you to go and strengthen them wouldn't it uh, the type of weight I mean Bon Golly Ayeti Barkas the type of weight he's there on you know. know it's a lot more than a, a, our Japanese boys will be on so it, it, it's maybe about getting value for money you know maybe this is something that Michael's going to do even better than Peter <laughs> I, I don't know you know he's brought in some, some stars that aren't going to be in huge money at the moment Uh or, or do you just write them off? And I know it's a lot of money, Lawrence, but um, we're in a situation where the longer it goes on without contributing, the lesser the, the fee's going to be. Whatever's left in the contract for on big money, that's what you're, you're in the hole for just now, isn't it? So it's how you can re- reduce that liability. And it may be a case that you've got to write it off, but you've got to do something to move them up, haven't you? Uh, would you take a million for a Yeti? Just now, I'd say yes. I'd Personally, take I would. Yep. I'd take a million for any of the four. Yep. Perhaps even all, all of the four. <laughs> you, you, you know, but it, it's getting to that stage. It's kind of going I would to, take a million drain. quid for, for each of those players. Yep. yep. You know, they're a drain. And if, if somebody came and says, we'll take all four, four million quid, you're going, well, that's pretty decent. And your wage bills, what's probably on about 12, and you'd expect Barkas and Ayeti to be, to be on more than that. Sora's maybe on about eight. So you may be saving yourself 50 grand a week on... Wages, yeah, which is a, a huge drain in a club. And if you if you do move the four on, Patrick, we're looking probably for two to come in because these guys are not contributing. It's not as if you're losing um, 30, 40 games off off each player a season. You're losing virtually no games if you get all four of them off. What's your position on that? Move them on, take what you can get in terms of transfer fees, and try and get a couple of bodies in. Or, or do you, or do you think we're of the view that we're, we're finished our transfer business in terms of incomings in January? I was a bit split in bowling goalie earlier this season, but I think I'd sell him now. You've got so many players. I mean, he played Montgomery ahead of him earlier in the season. He played Skills ahead of him towards the end of December. He, Taylor appears to be the first choice left back. So there's three players ahead of bowling goalie. So I'd certainly move him on. You probably don't even need to replace him because you've got three or four guys that can play left back. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to Barkas, I think we need to sign a keeper anyway, whether you move him out or not, because he's not good enough. I personally think Bain isn't good enough. The only keeper that we can rely on is Joe Hart, I think. Um, so, yeah, definitely move Barkas on. I think me and Lawrence have spoken every single week about how many number sixes we've got in the team. You know, I think we can sell so without replacing them. We've got so many bodies in that area. And then a Yeti, you probably do need to buy another striker. Uh, you know, you've got Kyogo who can play there, Maeda. Yakimakis is a, is a sort of different option. So you could maybe look for a fourth-choice striker or a fourth option 
Um, but I'd certainly move all four on because they're, con- they're contributing nothing. I think most have spent about 16 million to bring them in. They're probably on 20 grand a week each. It's unbelievable. I mean, what a waste of money that is. It is. I mean, even if you were to take it from the, the kind of first team average, which is about 15, 16 grand, you know, it's a, it's 50 grand plus, it's 64 grand. It's, it's outrageous. A week uh, in terms of wages, contributing nothing. It's not as if they're playing and you don't fancy them. They're not playing. Um, so, yeah, I think we should be moving mountains to get rid of them. Paddy Lavery's obviously been watching the uh, Celtic collection, the retro video club that went out at the weekend. Keep Gordon Marshall away from Jota's hair. Absolutely. Gordon Marshall, his wages were so bad. They certainly weren't 16 grand a week that he had to cut hair on the side. <laughs> and uh, he was cutting Paul Cooney's hair on that particular video. It did happen. Check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, at last night's game, John Hamm was at Celtic Park. He's a Hollywood actor. What is it, Lawrence, that attracts all these cultural icons from the arts to Celtic Park? I think it's maybe like uh, Tony Curran and, and Gianni Capaldi out there doing the, the Celtic evangelist. Are they selling, they're selling they the are, pub, yeah? They're, they're evangelists for Celtic out there. Mm-hmm. They're at Jocks or Daly's pub in LA. They're getting the the boys round to watch the game, so you know, I think maybe John Ham's decided, you know, where in Rome there's only one place to go. I, I, I absolutely agree with that, and I do love seeing it. Um, you know, going back to the first episode of the Retro Club, there's an interview, Patrick, with Sean Connery, who at that point was a Celtic fan. Um, he's waxing lyrical about his uh, his heroes of the 1950s. Of course, he defected to the dark side. What do you think it is about all these Hollywood stars and musicians and artists that, uh, you know, Celtic Park attracts them? I mean, it's a famous atmosphere. It's a famous club. Um, you know, we've got a lot of high-profile fans. I think it's a matter of bringing their mates along, you know. Tommy Sheridan brought Coolio. I'm sure Rod Stewart brought a few of his mates. Um, <laughs> Coolio. I can't, I can't think of many others offhand eh, off the top of my head, but you know, I'm sure there's been plenty down the years. Um, Bob Marley, you know, Sean Connery. Sorry, Bob Marley. Bob Marley's a fan. Was a fan, absolutely. I don't yeah. think he made it to the ground, though. That was one of his big regrets, wasn't it? Yes, yes, he's certainly a fan. Um, we had a good chat actually with Tony Curran. We were speaking to Tony in the penalty spot in Sword Street in Glasgow. If you're in the area, drop in for Celtic memorabilia, and we we're talking to Tony Curran, and we spoke about. Imagine them making a film. Imagine them making a Celtic film because it is, you know, the type of movie that could be on the silver screen. And I asked Tony who he would play. And I think he said Tommy Gemmell, didn't he? Tommy Gemmell. Who would play Jock Steen? You know, if it was a Hollywood blockbuster, who would play Steen? There's a question for you, Lawrence. See, I, see, I struggle because I, I don't watch films, I watch Celtic. So it's kind of, I don't know, Liam Neeson maybe, I don't know. That's a good shout, Liam. You know, could have changed his accent for it? I do like that. I, I like that. I always liked the idea of Jim Broadbent. He's getting a bit old now, but he had a look, he had that kind of presence. But Liam Neeson, yeah, I think I could so, see him playing Big Jock. Was it Tony Curran's uncle or, or granddad that scouted Danny McGrain? Yeah, Danny McGrain. Yeah, it was his granddad. How cool is that? I know. You know? I know. His granddad scouted Danny McGrain for nice, nice bit of trivia. Nice Brilliant, bit of trivia. That? Absolutely. Uh, so finally, um, same old Alaba, always cheating. Are we going to are we going to beat them at the weekend? Um, that's a big question. The second question, no, Patrick. How do we line up? I mean, we've had a lot of injuries. Um, it seems as though obviously there's a, a period of people adapting and bodies adapting to the training and the intensity of the training, and you would expect a lot of these injuries to settle down in the second half of the season. So there's players needing game time. There's maybe players 
there's a suggestion that they need rested. I don't think we rest anybody. We go out there with the, the, the strongest team we possibly can against Allo at the weekend. What's your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's a matter of who the strongest team is, really, because if Jota's coming back from injury, that could be a game that you play him in, because I don't think him coming in weakens the team, you know, whereas he could do with the minutes. Um, could maybe give Ralston a game. You know, it's it's just about, you know, rotating the squad, but keeping the strength, you know. I don't think Ralston weakens the team too much, especially not against a team like Alawa, you know. I'm not sure what league they're in, but I think they're having a half-decent season. Um, so, you don't uh, underestimate these these teams. Uh, you need to take the game seriously. I'm sure Ange will. Um, and, you know, if, if we play a, 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 a very good standard of team, you know, players like Ralston coming in, Jota coming in, um, you know, and we play our game. I think we'll, I think we'll go through. Um, no, pro- no problem. What's your position on that, Lawrence? I, I never underestimate. I mean, listen, we've seen what happens when you you go to these places and it all goes peat on, as they say. I mean, I posted a couple of pictures recently of that Clyde game, Roy Keane's debut, the beaters. And by the way, they should have beat us by more than two one. Um, Sean Maloney played that day, I think. So did the way. He did, he did. He's only put appearance for Celtic, hooked at half-time. Um, went on to win 71 caps for China, by the way. But, I mean, you approach that with the, the strongest possible team. You've got to continue this momentum and, of course, this run that we're on as well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be making any changes. I, I would try and get two or three up before doing any changes there. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, try and get the defence settled, you know, and say, look, this is it. Also, they want to get partnerships with the guys in front of them, don't they? I know we've had three weeks off and just had to work with them, but I don't think anything beats doing it on the park. So I think start with the same team, try and get two or three up, and then make your changes. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the suggestions coming in the comments section as to who should be playing who or making a movie on Celtic. Uh, Liam Neeson is playing Jock Steen and... Um, We've got a suggestion that Russell Crowe could play somebody from David Fletcher. I'm not sure he'd play. I'll tell you what, Russell Crowe would play a good Sean Fallon. I could see him playing Sean Fallon. Uh, Snick67 suggests Daniel Day-Lewis could play Jock Steen as well. Day-Lewis, I'm, think, I'm thinking he's retired though, isn't he, from acting? Who would be the mock? Who would be the mock? I think, he's, I think his son would need to play him. You, you think so? Yeah. In later years though? Absolutely. Early years, what about Comston? Comston could play the mock. Yeah, absolutely. Listen... We're, we're on the, the casting director's couch here. I love the idea. One of the days... I'm not on any casting director's couch. Maybe, but <laughs> Well, we're here. Well, we're here. I would like to see it in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. Patrick, an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, I was able to sit in the big man's seat comfortably for 60 minutes there. Uh, the superstar that is Declan will be back on Thursday. I've got to thank everybody for getting involved in the comments section. Thanks for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. Make sure that you subscribe if you're on the YouTube channel. And all that's left for me to say is Lawrence Conley and Patrick McGill. Thanks once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Message and data rates may apply.
Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y-to-203-203. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.